0: Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings. Let's do it. Week one, DraftKings pricing. First look, is the pricing soft? Is the pricing tight? Where are the soft spots? We're still weeks away. So, you know, injuries are going to happen and stuff's going to change. But hey, we still need to talk about it right now because people need to know. I need to know. Adam Levitan will be joining me in a second, so remember to smash the like button for the episode. Give me your favorite value play down in the comment section. Sub to Mayo Media Network. Sub to the free newsletter down in the description. And the next time that you see us on the NFL show, I should have the week one PME Listener's League listeners' league link available. It's not available as of yet. We're still doing golf for another few days. And then, boom, into NFL season, and we'll try to fill that. We're hoping to get 100 k in rake-free guaranteed money, so tune back in. Find the link in next week's show. We got more football coming, the top 150 with Meanie and Cus coming on Sunday. Me, Custom Feinberg finishing our rankings of the QBs on Thursday. Sealy will be back. My guy John Legazia has a cool new way of breaking. That's not a cool new way, it's just an interesting way of looking at spreads versus money lines and what you're actually paying per point on a spread. I thought it was pretty fascinating. We're gonna run a, a season-long, season-long trial to see if it actually yields results or not, because we don't know. It's all in hypothesis mode right Right now, but that would be a cool concept for a show. As we'll kind of check back in on it every single week. And if you want to run your projections right now at runthesims.com, they're all up for week one for the preseason. All the preseason notes. Runthesims.com/slash/mayo will get you ten percent off. Prices going up. April not April I mean, probably would be going up in April, but August fifteenth. Mm-hmm. Get in before that. Get an extra ten percent off at runthesims.com. No content on the site, just tools, betting, daily fantasy completely customizable highly suggest that you go check that out or you can use code etr5 at establish the run.com and get all of adam levitan's great work along with like everyone else who was good at DraftKings. so you should probably do that too
1: <laughs> exactly exactly thanks for the promo appreciate it buddy how are you
0: i'm doing well i i i I'm so glad that you Bales and Peter doing the show again. Like I needed one more podcast to get me through the week and that's it. It's fantastic to have it back.
1: You're referring to the very serious uh, three donkeys podcast where me Bales and Peter come into a show with no, basically no plan whatsoever. And uh, yeah, just talk about life and, and play these ridiculous lot in games. So yeah, it's fun for sure.
0: So basically, your show prep is the same for my show prep every show?
1: <laughs> exactly. We took inspiration from having no plans whatsoever, just winging it. Exactly.
0: Yeah, when no one feels, I mean, th- this is not great for you guys, because people do hold you accountable. They hold Evan accountable. No one holds <laughs> me accountable, because they just assume I'm making, like, the worst possible decisions. They're like, oh, that's just entertainment. Don't worry about his picks. So now I don't need to prep anymore. It's fantastic news.
1: Perfect. Yeah, for sure. Now, three donkeys. Three donkeys is fun, but if anybody actually is is trying for for trying to win for DraftKings or or season long, just our regular podcast, established is totally free, and I would check that out for sure.
0: Yeah, go. We get we get Yeah, you you know, I've been picking off all the ETR guys to be on my show to lend me some credibility. <laughs> so that's been very nice. And now you're on as well. But I will say, I actually won money playing NFL DraftKings last year, and that was because of just blindly following Run the Sims. It made me. I mean, when did you start going through and using like, because I know like I used to really like to hand build. I know that you like still to, to hand build like main lineups mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But when you're using these optimizers and these tools, I found it just, it made me stop making the stupid decisions that I would make every week when I just started blindly trusting it.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I still think that I prefer to hand build. So, I mean, I, I'll make somewhere between six and 10 lineups each week by hand. And because football is weekly, you know, much like golf, which by the way, I've gotten into, and I absolutely love playing DFS golf now, but, uh, much like golf it's once a week. Like if you can't find the time to sit down and really think and think hard to make six to 10 really good lineups each week, you know, maybe DraftKings is not for you. I feel like that's not a a huge ask. I do think that if you're good at using optimizers, and stuff like that, then um, ramming in 150, I guess is is fine. But I think people just have such high expectations when you ram in 150, and it's just not realistic. You know, like th- the attitude that oh, I'll just put in 150, and how can I lose? I'll, I'll have something bubble up to the top. It's just so 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 wrong because people are using bad projections, people are using bad rules, people are using bad software. There's just so much out there that I think is dangerous for people who are ramming in 150 so I still think it's the most fun to hand build yourself and I actually think that your expectation is higher if you're good at at making lineups so that's kind of my spiel on it
0: I still do for the PME there's the three spots so I hand build all three of those lineups and when I go into like the $200 the $100 usually single entries uh then I'm using my hand built lineup in those but when I'm entering like the 20 max or whatever it is I'll just spit out like another 15 and be like and they always just inevitably end up being better than the lineups that I build anyway so at least I've turned the corner that way where I'm not building like, cause the problem was like, I tried to build like 50 lineups by hand or 20 lineups yeah. by hand. And then I would just essentially make the same lineup with like two changes in it. I'm like, if this, if this goes wrong, this is horrible.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, well, first of all, I'm well aware of the PME contest. You're, you're looking at the ultimate grinder. I would never miss a no rate contest. So I'm <laughs> always in the, I'm always in the uh, PME three max during the NFL season for sure. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think, people should think about their hand-built lineups through stacks you know like i want x number of uh chief stacks this week i want x number of bill stacks this week and mix it up like that instead of uh, otherwise you run into a lot of problems where you get a lot of the same lineups like like you mentioned so so yeah i I like think of it through stacks hey here's my pool of stacks for the week and then start building from there
0: do you like if how many like stacks do you really go with like when you are building like let's say five to ten hand-built lineups higher stakes smaller tournaments and I really think that the biggest change for me last year was proper tournament selection versus just like hey this one has a million dollars up top let's play this one and I was like you know what I'm doing pretty good at these like two hundred dollar thirty nine man single entries like I'm actually like turning a profit in these maybe I'll just play those instead of just like pissing my money away so that has really helped I'll have Tambo on in probably like two weeks we'll break down all of that because that even in golf like he kind of hit on that and it really clicked for me when he talked about in golf because i was having good golf scores but i wasn't fucking winning anything and i was like yeah. what am i doing wrong do i need to play like four thousand dollars a week he's like no you need to pick better fucking tournaments you idiot
1: right <laughs> yeah i mean I, I write the article every year about what contest i would play or what contest uh you should be in if you want to play 100 a week you know 500 a week thousand a week whatever it, the same principle applies i don't play Really, very much in the DraftKings MillieMaker, like the twenty dollar or the five dollar or whatever. I'm exclusively looking for higher stakes, lower rake, smaller field stuff because the way I play, like I'm not going to hit the absolute stone cold nuts. It, it's really unlikely. So in those huge tournaments, you actually need the absolute stone cold nuts. Whereas in some of these smaller tournaments, you know, you can have a meh spot, and you know, like the whole concept of double stacking. You know, I'm not even sure. And we've done a lot of work on this. You know, double stacking in the MillieMaker is dangerous because you need both the wide receivers to go off, right? And, and maybe that's fine because the tournament is so big, you need your quarterback to throw for like 400 yards and four touchdowns anyways. But in a smaller field, if you double stack, well, one guy could just be OK, and one of your wide receivers could go off, and that's still good enough to win the tournament, you know? So, I, you know, I, I think that it's um, uh, the most um, easiest way to improve your ROI immediately is understanding contest selection. Like, Just immediately you can boost your ROI 10, 20, 30% without even knowing anything more about football or DFS, literally just pick better contests. Like that's should be step one for everybody.
0: It's hard to do though. Cause you do, I, I get how, cause I'm a victim of it too. Just getting sucked into, oh man, if, the, if this was, cause and it's funny. Cause I don't have the FOMO. Cause someone once asked me, cause I ha- I had a lineup, think it was in the PME and I didn't play it in the Millionaire Maker and it was like second in my contest and it would have been like top 10 in the Millionaire Maker just the guy who won like blew everything out but I didn't have it in the Millionaire Maker it's like are you like are you pissed you didn't have it in there I was like not really because I wasn't playing in that tournament like I yeah it sucks but that means I would have been wasting three grand every week entering this tournament with the amount of lineups that I was playing and that was just never on the table for me so what am I pissed about
1: Exactly. Yeah. I, I I got second in that uh FanDuel uh fan championship last year for 250 K. And if I would have put it in the their five dollar entry, I would have won another five hundred K. But I never really sweated it because I never play that tournament anyways, right? And like, yeah, it's only five bucks. Maybe I should have put the team the team in there, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I do think like in the long run, it's probably better just to not play those super large field lottos um but yeah obviously it's painful 500k mistake there on the quote-unquote mistake there on the five dollars
0: yeah well etr is doing so well you don't even need the 500k anymore (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) who needs who needs another half million you know who cares uh
0: well i I always wonder this because we had it's not it's not a problem it's a great quote-unquote problem to have but once a site gets so big And, like, everyone's following you or everyone's following Dink or Evan or Leone or whoever it might be. Do you guys ever, like, experience a problem? Because we had this for, like, golf because so many people were subbed to our site that, like, it kept, like, no matter how kind of how you rigged it, it would give you Mm -hmm. the right plays. Like, uh, the right plays of here are who projects out the best that week. But once you get to a tipping point, everyone's, like, kind of on those plays. Like, how do you navigate that? Or do you just just have to make your own custom adjustments?
1: So, uh, we have a model and then we add manual adjustments to our ownership projections and obviously like we weight the ownership projections based on what other people are doing but we wait ourselves the heaviest because we think we have the biggest impact on the market so once you understand what the field is going to do and yes we are weighting the field you can still find i mean incredible plays that the field won't be on for whatever reason and so like last year you know in that tournament i was talking about that i won i had we had rex burkhead when the Texans against the Chargers which I said is like the third best running back value for the week, he comes in at 2% owned because no one wants to click Rex Burkhead. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's stuff like that all the time. I also really encourage people to think about cumulative ownership and product ownership. In other words, multiply your ownership together or at least add your ownership together and be sure it's within levels that um, are acceptable and like the lower, obviously the better. So yeah, always the field is reacting to what we say, but for tournaments, you know, you want, there are still plays and tons of them and constructions that other people uh, aren't doing. And Leone does this every week in the Thunderdome. I mean, Leone won so much in the Thunderdome last year just by making small pivots. You know, everybody plays ETR's best play. Well, what about ETR's second best play at wide receiver or third best play at wide receiver? What about somebody who's not in the cash pool for that week in the Thunderdome? If you're not in the cash pool, like these guys are like unowned. So Leonie's going into the Thunderdome with, you know, a guy who projects well, maybe our fourth, fifth, sixth best value. And he gets him at like the only guy in the entire field in the entire Thunderdome who has them. All it takes is the, the chalk to, to fail and his guy to play reasonably and he's shipping. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I hear you, but in tournaments, especially there's always a pivot. I think the bigger issue is in cash games. And that's where I try to be really careful about who I'm playing because yeah, you know, cash games have gotten to the point where most people you're playing, not everyone, but most people you're playing have, have some semblance of of who the best plays are
0: yeah I would think that in between all of the different sites out there that whatever the optimal is for cash games that if you stuck to single entry double ups in 50 50, 50 50s you might have a better shot of actually winning oh. because if a whole bunch of roto grinders people or ETR people are all playing like the same seven-ish guys because they project out so well the right plays that they can throw that lineup in 20 times so now instead of 20 people that you're playing against it's 20 times 20 and it's not good if you're not on that train
1: (laughs) buddy i haven't i haven't played a multi-entry double up since like 2015 i mean you you have to be you know if you're thinking about contest selection you know for me for cash i get so much good head-to-head action because people want to play adam levitan and like they're like oh adam you know He's a quote unquote celebrity. He doesn't know anything. They're not subscribed to ETR. I'll play him. I get incredible high stakes action at at head to head. I'm not sure everybody gets that, but I do think that at low stakes, like you can, if you only want to play maybe you know 200, 300 bucks a week, you can sell that much in head to head action, and it will be good action at you know one, two, three, five, ten dollar levels um, for sure. Single entry, double ups for sure. Game selecting three mans, you know, see who's in those three mans before you register and find those. And, and yeah, all this is part of the grind, man. You know, I, I don't necessarily recommend this grind uh, to everyone. I am like a sick fuck who like can't help, but grind every edge. Um, I just can't stop. But, uh, and it's not as fun as just like throwing some teams in the Millie maker. And you know, it, it always goes back to what your goals are. If, if your goals are to grind your cock off like me and try to grind out every edge. Um, That's one thing, if you're here just to have fun and play the million maker, that's fine too. I would not like discourage people from playing the million maker if they're just looking to have fun. I I more try to speak to people who are actually trying to grind out um, kind of an edge for themselves.
0: Well, that works kind of in conjunction with it seems like you're grinding the NFL training camp news and preseason news so hard. And as we've talked about in the past, like even when I would have Cody on the show to talk about preseason stuff, like there's such an edge in getting those preseason notes and playing time because people just aren't looking. And if you can find, oh, yeah, Washington said this guy's going to play all four quarters because they want to see him. It's like, well, automatically use that guy because he's going to be on the field. And so there's the one edge for preseason DFS. And I know Justin has all of his notes up. uh, uh, as a part of the package at run the sims on each player projected playing time that kind of thing so you can try to build your lives worked out really well for the preseason game or the hall of fame game we'll see yeah. how it translates into week one but you've just been grinding news over and over <laughs> what have you known like what are some like key takeaways so far because like as we're speaking right now this is coming out tomorrow morning so like Beckton gets hurt in practice no idea how serious that is christian kirk leaves the field it seems like he's gonna be okay but what are some playing time things that you've seen so far? Like the Raiders backfield, people fucking losing their minds. Cause Josh Jacobs was in for two series in the Hall of Fame. well, like, oh, he can't be any good. He's playing. It's like, it's, the, it's the weirdest thing of like overreaction to these games that don't matter. Maybe it's a new coach. He wanted to see the guy in the offense. Who knows?
1: So uh, to me, it's very clear. It's these nonsense reports from beat writers. Oh, this guy looks great. He's, he's a beat writers are horrible evaluators of talent you know i mean horrible like all, all this stuff like oh this guy no one can stop him uh he's this is running back looks so explosive like that is just all nonsense we can ignore it. what we should not be ignoring is stuff like kenny gainwell is getting half the reps with the first team you know wh- what we should not be ignoring is you know benjamin is taking pass down work away from james connor with the first string in practices in other words how players are going to be used not how good some beat writer thinks they are at football. Because honestly, like the teams are the talent evaluators. I don't really get into talent evaluation at all. But if a team thinks that a player, if a team thinks Romeo Dubs is good enough to start opposite Alan Lazard, well, why do I need a talent evaluation? You know, for, for DFS, I may need it for Dynasty because he may flame out. But for DFS, all I want to know is hey, Romeo Dubs is starting across from alan lazard in week one and i I actually don't think that's going to happen but i was just trying to come up with an example and so that to me that's the important stuff where guys being used are they being used the first string not oh oh he he caught his third touchdown pass of practice today like i it would be impossible for me to care less um go ahead
0: i just i have been on like i think you and i and there's a select few of us who've always kind of been on That idea, it's like, why do I care if he's the best player in the world if no one throws him the ball? How does that help me? That trying to figure out who is going to be on the field is essentially the most valuable part of fantasy football and trying to do your projections and, like... I, I feel like it's a need to discover someone who is like, and maybe they're super talented. Like it was for, remember for years, everyone drafted your Michael Finley because he caught the ball with the like two balls at once. It's like, oh my God, what talent? It's like, well, the, the Packers don't really use a tight end. Like at least during that era, it's like, well, what do we expect here? That he might catch eight touchdowns and have 10 catches this year? Like who is that helping? No one. That's just taking it yeah. away from the guys that you want.
1: There, there's like a whole market of people who love to talk about what NFL teams should do. Oh, if only, if only, uh, uh, the Vikings threw it more on first and 10 instead of ran it up the middle, they'd be so much better. Like who cares? Like I, I don't care what they should do. I I am in the business of trying to figure out what they will do. And so, yeah, I, I think the, you know, the point is well taken. I think people are, are, are getting there for sure. You asked, um, about stuff I've noticed in camp. One that I wanted to mention that, um, uh, before we lose it, is the Giants stuff with Wendell Robinson. It, it just seems like the three wide receivers set is locked with Wendell in the Cole Beasley role, uh, Kadarius Toney in the Steph Diggs role, and uh, uh, Kenny Galladay in that other opposite outside role that they've kind of rotated guys through in kind of the Gabe Davis role. And so, yeah, you know, with Brian Dable there, I thought that was just at least worth noting that those three guys seem seem really locked into those roles. So, yeah, we can talk more about Giants stuff for sure when we get to the week one, but but I just wanted to, to put that one out there. Uh,
0: have you ran any, like, simulations week Week one or anything like that? Because I, I just did. I went and looked at it, and apparently, yeah, we will be talking about the Giants because apparently yeah. they're the best values on the board.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can talk about that. I have not run or made any lineups for week one yet. I mean, we're so far out, and there's going to be so much that happens between now and week one. We're talking about a full month of guys to get hurt, and guys to uh, you know, uh, change their spot on the depth chart, et cetera, et cetera. So, no, I have not done anything yet, but for sure, I mean, you don't have to be rocket science to see that the Giants' pricing on DraftKings for week one sticks out like a sore thumb.
0: Yeah, Wendell is the, is the min. He's 3K at wide receiver.
1: Uh, there are two guys I did want to ask you
0: about. What do you see with Tony Pollard? Like, is he actually going to yeah. get these slot snaps?
1: So, almost always, every year, uh, teams, reporters, coaches like to say, well, this year we're going to use two running backs on the field at the same time. You know, it almost never happens. Never. Uh, Like, literally, it's the biggest crock of shit that anyone puts out every single offseason. Tony Pollard case is unique, and I don't like to predict outliers, but Tony Pollard is such an excellent receiver, and the Cowboys lost Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup is not going to play week one and probably beyond, and they just lost James Washington. And so, like, you start getting into this spot where you can maybe see it that they actually use Tony Pollard as a receiver more this year. My bigger take on, on Tony Pollard is that the Cowboys are just an okay team now, not necessarily a good team. And if they get off to a one and three or one and four start and Zeke is lumbering around out there, averaging 3.8 yards per carry, like they're going to need to play Tony Pollard more. Like he's so explosive. And so I, I think Zeke in round four and you pray that he's okay and he runs for 12 touchdowns is, like not the worst thing in the world. I don't take him there, but I think there's at least some room for both Pollard and Zeke to profit at their ADPs. It's not a great bet, but I, I think it's at least uh, possible.
0: I, I was looking at some draft results this morning. I see I, Isaiah Pacheco is going inside the top 100 now, as high as pick number 91. That sounds fun.
1: <laughs> wait, wait, that can't be right.
0: Yeah, it was in a. I, I looked at some of the DraftKings best ball this morning. No, pick number 91.
1: <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I like Isaiah Pacheco. I- I'm not convinced he's even going to make the team, and if he does, I think he'll be a he'll play a lot on special teams to start. Um, I think there's a chance that Ronald Jones gets cut, and they go with Ceh, McKinnon, and Pacheco. But yeah, I mean, to me, Pacheco is like a 18th round best ball pick, and and hope for the best. That that seems pretty crazy to me. But yeah, the, the best ball stuff on DraftKings is. I mean the people are doing some wild shit out there. that's for sure.
0: What do you do you like best ball because I weirdly can't stand it? I just, I just really, yeah, because I'm, I'm not going to draft 200 teams. Like, I, I get the concept of doing, maybe it's because I'm so enamored with golf during the time when everyone is like super like grinding best ball, but I'm not going to grind as hard as those people to find the edges and keep up to date with it because I'm trying to keep up to date on golf and do it that way. And by the time it gets to like August, like I, I'm thinking about drafting like a high stakes season-long team or playing against my friends, and then really getting settled into like betting and draft kings for the year. It's just right. a weird, it's not a blind spot because I still do play because I do the content on it. I want to you know, at least know what I'm talking about when I'm doing the drafts, but I'm not playing 150 lineups and I, I just feel like that puts me at such a disadvantage.
1: Yeah, I don't think it puts you at a disadvantage, but but I, I'd say that the expected ROI, if you're like looking to grind for money, the expected ROI on each you know $5 DraftKings uh, best ball or each $25 underdog, like if you're making more than 10, 15, 20% on that, on your buy-in, I'd be... Surprise! So I don't do it from a money making perspective. I draft basketball teams a because drafting fantasy football teams is so much fucking fun, and b it keeps me sharp for the regular season. In other words, like I'm constantly understanding what the market thinks of guys, how the market is changing, how I think of guys when I'm on the clock. Uh, do I want to take this guy or that guy? And so it helps, you know, to get me ready for DFS season. Obviously, I'm going to play a-, a fraction of. Uh, entries in best ball compared to what I will play in week one um, in DFS. And so, like, again, it's not a money-making thing for me. I just think it's really, 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 really good prep for the regular season for any season-long league you have. Um, And it's fun. I I think drafts are are fun. But, yeah, ROI on your time is – it's total dust. I mean, I don't really have, like, 45 minutes to grind out $2 of EV, you know?
0: (laughs) Well, how similar are best ball drafts do you think that once we get to actual season-long draft season, like, more casual? I, I mean, you can have your high-stakes stuff. You can have, like, your like, big-time season-long fantasy football league. But the majority of people drafting are playing with their 11 other buddies. I mean, if they're yep. lucky to have that many friends. But at the same time, like, best ball drafts aren't necessarily a complete corollary. I think you'll get very similar decisions maybe in certain price ranges where you can go but obviously quarterbacks are gonna go way higher in best ball <laughs> and stacking like in a season-long league are you really gonna like full stack an offense in terms of like oh i need to get Mahomes and i need to get juju and i need to get whoever else now sky Moore and travis kelsey where you need to do that in best ball to really correlate all your lives you really want to do that in season long
1: no, and and, and so it, it's a good it's a good point for sure. Casual leagues are gonna be way, way, way different than the stuff you see um in best ball. But I do think that, especially on underdog, uh the draft rooms are sharp enough to like really test you. And so you see a ton of sharp people are taking X player at 40th overall. In your home league, he might go 60th overall, and you know that's a smash. Like you you just know it is. And like I, I think of examples like Gabe Davis. I mean, Gabe Davis goes like fortieth or forty-second. Overall, somewhere in that range in these uh, best ball stuff, he's not going to go there with like 11 of your boys and like Tom from accounting and, and, you know, uh, like, it's just, it, nobody's going to take him like Travis Etienne you know, nobody's going to take, you know, a, a committee uh, Jaguar, you know, in, in round three or round two or something like that in your casual league, but that's where he goes in, in sharper drafts. So I always think it's good to practice against sharper drafts. Cause it's going to look like, you know, a total layup when you play against your buddies from home um, so that's the way I would think about it. the correlation points are, are well taken you know I, I would not be going out of my way to stack I, I think stacking is plus EV in your season long leagues but it's certainly not necessary and I wouldn't go out of my way to do it
0: no I, I do think stacking I mean it's not absolutely necessary but it's usually better I feel like in season long leagues it's usually better off with like one guy maybe two not the entire team because you only have you know the the guy who's scoring it when Mecole Hardman scores his 90 yard touchdown on your bench it doesn't do you any fucking good
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, when you're only playing against 12, uh, 11 other people, correlation is not going to be as impactful as it will when you're playing against 400,000 other people, like, obviously. Like, the only way to win, not the only way, but the likeliest way to give yourself a chance to win these huge tournaments, and we see it in DFS, obviously, is by correlating and stacking, so you limit the number of things you need to get right. When you're only playing against 11 other people, like, uh, you know, even in DFS, if I think I'm playing against 11 other adults, I'll just, like, play the best team and not worry about uh, correlation. I, I did want to
0: talk to you about the Casey offense before we dig into week one, because I think Leonie and I, yeah, it's Leonie and I made the Juju bet. Like, I just don't see it with Juju. Like, I, that, that's me projecting my bias, and I think this guy might be absolute toast, that even with Patrick. Like, the only reason that, like, if you put him with any other quarterback in the league, right now, maybe Josh Allen aside, you'd be like, yeah, there's no way I'm drafting Juju. But now everyone wants Juju? Like, why would you take him? at double the cost of essentially every other Kansas City receiver. Is he that much better than Sky Moore or MVS or Hardman or whoever? I don't think so, is he?
1: Man, uh, I'm curious why you think Juju is is done, I guess. He, he's only 25 years old, and he was playing with, like, the worst quarterback in the NFL. I, I, and definitely bottom three. I mean, Ben was so bad the last two years. So I, I guess I'd be curious why you think Juju could be done from just, like, a talent perspective.
0: He seems a lot slower.
1: Like, there's the reason that he's
0: running route. I feel like there's a reason that he's running routes so much closer to the line of scrimmage than he was at least earlier in his career. And I feel like a lot of the stuff that he does well, Travis Kelsey does way better.
1: Yeah. So, Patrick Mahomes has had a really high target rate at the slot throughout his career. And some of that is Travis Kelsey, but also to wide receivers. I also think there's going to be some, like, rotation among the outside receivers between MBS and Sky. Uh and McCole Hardman, whereas the slot guy to me is very clearly Juju Smith Schuster. So if you're gonna play every snap in a spot where Patrick Williams likes to throw the ball, and I guess I'm I I blame more of Juju's struggles on Ben's woes. Why was Juju so close to the line of scrimmage? Because Ben couldn't throw the ball more than five yards, you know, and, and so and their offensive line was so bad, he just had to get it out so quickly. So yeah, I, I hear you. I, I'm just not ready to give up on Juju. I mean, it wasn't like maybe two or three years ago he was the number one dynasty player. people were taking him number one overall in dynasty redraft leagues. Were they taking Juju's who's so young and so productive at a young age? I just don't think that he's falling off the cliff like that. And I like the way his role is this year. We know they're going to be so, so, so pass heavy. They'll probably lead the league in pass rate over expectation, probably right there with the Bucks and the Bills. So I, I hear you. You know, it's been scary. But if Juju had been like even reasonably good the last couple of years, he'd be going in the 20s or 30s. You can get him in the 50s and 60s now, I think, uh, uh, pretty comfortably. And maybe the hype on him is is coming up a bit. But, yeah, I, I still I still do like taking him. So, yeah, I'm happy to book another bet there if you're looking for more anti-Juju action.
0: Yeah, well, I have a bet with Herzig. I have a bet with Leone. I don't know if they're both on Juju. I have Cooks versus a whole bunch of guys. Uh, why does mm-hmm. everyone at ETR hate Brandon Cooks?
1: I actually like Brandon Cooks. You know, I I, I actually think Davis Mills is okay. – um, one of the most underrated. It doesn't mean he's good, but under, and people think he's total dust. He, he's not like Davis Mills can play. And Pep Hamilton, I think is one of the best, most underrated offensive coordinators, offensive schemers in the league. And so I, I do like uh, Brandon Cooks. So I think his price got away from us a little bit, but when he goes in like round five, six or so, I, I, I'm fine with Brandon Cooks. So I also take a ton of Nico Collins late um, also, because I think, you know, Davis Mills has a chance to be good and Nico is going to be out there. every snap as kind of a big downfield threat so yeah you know uh, people are never gonna be excited about Brandon Cooks due to concussion history age he plays for the Texans but I think he'll be fine
0: do you have a beat on their backfield at all? Do you think it's going to be a committee or do you think that Damien Pierce or Damon Pierce is just going to be like, hey, after we like, it might be a split for like the first few weeks because that's like the what you were talking about with the training camp news because it keeps just fucking popping up on my timeline. Pierce looks great. Pierce looks more explosive. <laughs> like he should, you know what? As like a 21-year-old dude, he should look more explosive than Rex Burkhead. Like that should be a good
1: that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, when you compare Damian Pierce to Rex Burkhead, who, you know, I like Rex Burkhead. I'll love him forever for playing that game against the Chargers the way he did. And compare him against Marlon Mack, who's coming off of an Achilles there. Of course, Damian Pierce is going to look great. I I don't have a great talent read on Damian Pierce. I do think that Rex Burkhead and Marlon Mack will be left in the dust sooner rather than later. I don't think it'll be in September, though. And, like, I I think people, especially on Twitter and, and people and casual leagues, people place way too much of emphasis on week one role in other words like all the money in all fantasy leagues especially in DraftKings basketball and underdog basketball and FFPC all that's all like in the playoffs right but even in your home league almost all the money is likely at the end of the year why do we care so much about the split between Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon in week one why do we care so much about the split between Damian Pierce and Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead in week one when really I want to know how it's going to be in October November December and so yeah my bet would be big time on Damian Pierce to be the guy by winning time and and really that's what I care about. So so yeah, I, I like Damian Pierce. He's one of my one of my favorite flyers. I'll have an article up soon on my favorite flyers, guys. I like to take after round ten, and Damian Pierce will for sure be in there.
0: Well, I don't know if that's free or if that's paywall, but if it's paywalled, you can use ETR five and get yourself that discount <laughs> at establishtherun.com. Easy stuff. <laughs> Last one, first pick overall.
1: Yeah. Easy. I it, mean it's, it's is there really a debate. It's McCaffrey. It's yeah. Okay. (laughs) you know, a a lot of people um, think they can predict injuries and it's really hard. And if you want to tell me, hey, you know, uh, guys first year back from an ACL tear, uh, they're slow uh, to come back. Guys first year back from an Achilles tear. um, They look like Cam Akers did in the playoffs last year. You can tell me all that. Guys who have like sprained their ankle or pulled a hamstring or, or whatever. It could recur. Christian McCaffrey has had like a full year off. To get his body right and is he likely to get hurt this year yes because he plays fucking running back in the nfl of course he's likely to get hurt just like every other running back in the nfl is likely to get hurt this year i do not think christian McCaffrey is more likely to get hurt than any other running back this year and if he stays healthy if every running back in the league stays healthy this year christian mccaffrey will outscore all of them by like 50 points maybe maybe more 100 points his role is so outrageous like so ridiculous his pass catching role And so, yeah, I mean, I I don't draft with multiple condoms on. I think you guys know that. I draft as if I'm right. And and so uh, Christian McCaffrey, to me, is an absolute no-brainer at first overall. His role is just so much better than Jonathan Taylor's. It's, like, not even close. Give me some money. Give me some money.
0: I got the numbers. Tons of you have done it, but not all of you. Yeah, so what you need to do right now, if you want to take charge of both your time and your meal prep, visit factormeals.com slash mayo50 and use code mayo50 to get 50% off right now. Because supporting the sponsors is in very much the same way supporting the Pat Mayo experience, which I very much encourage you to do. Eating better is just easy with factors delicious ready-to-eat meals mainly because well yes they are very tasty but it's the time that they save you do you say you never have time to work out well if you're someone that preps all your food at home that means you need to drive to the store you need to walk through it make a list get your groceries bring them home store them unpack them get the reusable bags out of the way then you actually have to make the meal we're talking like two hours per meal on that and listen. I love cooking things at home myself, but it takes an awful long time. Are you going to use an app to get takeout? Well, it's going to take you like 30 minutes to figure out which restaurant that you want anyway. Then you wait 45 minutes to get it, and it's probably like crap for you by the time it actually gets there. This is all time that you could have been like spending working out or doing work or just having some relaxation time because all of the meals with Factor are ready to go in just two minutes, and it goes with any sort of meal prep that you want to do do you want to do calorie smart do you want to do keto i'm personally trying to bulk up right now so i'm doing the protein plus to make sure that i hit my levels every single time i go through i pick what i want it shows up i never have to think about what i'm going to eat for three meals a day four meals a day whatever it might be for like three weeks it's fantastic so i highly recommend that you head to factormeals.com mayo50 and use code mayo50 to get fifty percent off. That's code Mayo50 at factormeals.com slash Mayo fifty to get fifty percent off. The Pat Mayo experience is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is that all in one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. So whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand Squarespace, Makes it easy to create a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything from products to content to time, all in one place, all on your terms. And it is super easy to use. You don't need to be a tech wizard in order to set up your own website to peddle your wares on the World Wide Web. Squarespace makes that so easy, thus cutting down on the expenses you'll need to pay someone else to do it. You can do it all yourself. You can set up email campaigns to engage with your audience with Squarespace email campaigns, collect email subscribers on your site, and build connections and repeat business through regular email updates. If you're in the content space and you have a lot of videos, you can host your entire video collection, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages and sell access to your videos with member access. But the best part about it all is the analytics feature you can use those insights to grow your business learn where your site visits come from or sales are coming from then you can analyze which of your channels are the most effective improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords and most popular products and content it makes it all easy all in one spot for a very low cost and it's something that you're going to need to do if you want to grow your business so Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash mayo to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore dealmaking across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business.
1: Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't
0: want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so
1: many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal.
0: Listen to The Deal. Listen
1: to The Deal on
0: Spotify. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. Except for a few days, a few weeks ago, because I ran out of athletic greens. And it was absolutely devastating because it's like all in one health insurance for myself to give me the energy I need in the mornings. I wanna be Logie in the mornings. I, wanna, because, like, I love bacon as much as the next guy, but I can't just load up on carbs and bacon in the morning and not feel a little bit run down by like noon. No, for my breakfast, I just pound some athletic greens. Into my system, it gives me more energy, it's helping my immune system, it's giving me better gut health. And frankly, because I've been dealing with a calf injury, I haven't been able to run this gut, getting a little bit bigger. So I need more gut health than ever these days. So, Athletic Greens, I got my shipment in the mail. My wife and I looked at each other and were like, whew, we got energy for the day. And I like living an active lifestyle. I need to have this high energy. And Athletic Greens, with its 75 high quality vitamins and minerals, whole foods source, superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens really helping me out here. I didn't realize how much this stuff affected my day-to-day life when I wasn't taking it. How much energy Athletic Greens was giving me all of the time, every single day. So I can mean be my healthiest and best self with everything that goes along with it. It really helped my mental clarity and alertness. You need to be sharp when you do these shows. People don't think of me as a sharp, because I'm not. But when doing these shows, you need to be quick-witted. You need to be alert. AG1 Athletic Greens helps with That. And AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day. You can plan on it. You wake up, you take your athletic greens, and it helps you take care of yourself. You're investing in an all in one nutritional insurance. And right now, it's time to reclaim your health and immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially with flu and cold season coming. The cold weather is coming. It's just one scoop every day in water, and that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements. Just athletic greens and to make it easy athletic greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com mayo again that's athleticgreens.com mayo to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance DraftKings Week 1, pricing is out. Once again, if you go to runthesims.com slash mayo, you get that discount, check out the optimizer, customize it around. It's early, so you probably don't need to make your lineups right now, but hey, it's funny because you said you get bored, uh, I get bored with best ball, and you like doing it because drafting is so much fun. Like I, th- I would rather just like by the time like the Thursday comes around or the Sunday comes around that I could potentially have made 150 hand-built lineups. Just because I like <laughs> going in for week one and like messing around with that. Uh, just so I don't have to be committed to it. And like, it's not so much, that, obviously there's no commitment beyond doing the draft and best ball, but like I would start paying attention to it in, like week four and week five. And I just feel like I don't need that stress in my life
1: and I can move on. I'll tell you the best thing when it's like 1.30 PM Eastern on Sunday and all your DK teams are already dead and you get to start <laughs> checking the best ball teams, that's that's where the best ball sweat comes into play. It's like, well, I'm getting buried in DFS, but at least I can check my best ball teams. Maybe there's something good going on there.
0: Oh, before we get into it, um, with in terms of optimizers and projections, how good do you find that... Like, medium projections. I know that a lot of people are going to customize it to, like, upside projections with correlation mm-hmm. when they're building their lineups. But as it pertains to, like, prop betting, how good are projection systems that just be, like, I know that the median numbers usually usually right, right around when the where the number is going to be set, because that's how the books actually make their lines a lot of the time. But in terms of props, like, if you find a medium projection that's way off what the prop is, do you guys just hammer that?
1: Oh, man. I mean... We've been just murdering on props. I mean, and yeah, I, I know what you're saying that it seems easy, but l- like DraftKings is going to put out or they have been putting out literally 1,000, 2,000 markets for both NFL and NBA on player props the last year, year and a half. And so they only need to get, and they're, they're decent at it, honestly. Like they, But they only need to get 10 or 20 of them wrong out of 1,000 or 2,000 for us to absolutely murder them. And that's just like what we've been doing. I mean, we just have a system in the back end, and and I think our projections are by far the best, and 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 way better than whatever DraftKings is using for their projections. So you know, we just have a thing in our back end where we compare our projection to DraftKings lines. We add in some context. You think about um, median versus mean, and you know, if something is off, and we feel good about our projection, we double check our projection. I mean, yeah, it's like we're gonna hit sixty, sixty-five percent. It's like, and that's not we're not like geniuses for this again, like. When they have to put up 2000 lines and they're putting up lines on pat fryer and the number four wide receiver for the packers and stuff like that like we're just going to kill them like I, I, we're just going to kill them and they know that it's a marketing expense for them um but yeah it's like if you want if you're a fantasy player who wants to win in sports betting i'd be hard-pressed to think that you can win in anything except for props i don't try to win in sides i don't try to win in totals um we just like pick off 10 20 30 props a week and and more than that in in, in the, our basketball guys just murdered this year too in props and yeah it's it's just the best props are just the best man it's it's it really is well
0: it's probably tough for you if there's only 10 or 20 good ones a week because you could put what you would even limited to five bucks now
1: <laughs> yeah well part of the game is getting accounts and, and you know I would never vi- encourage anyone to violate the terms of service but but getting clean accounts and and finding ways to bet is part of the game winning you know once you get to a certain level in sports betting winning is not um the issue it's finding betting partners and accounts and and yeah, I mean, it is what it is. So looking at the week one
0: slate, you have a bunch of games like that are clearly separated from the rest. Like, I don't know how many people are going to be stacking up Cleveland, Carolina in the, in the Baker revenge game with its 41 and a half total, but you do have Casey and Arizona, 53 total Vegas and the chargers with a 52 total green Bay and Minnesota with a 49 total. Those seem to be the three that really stick out, but like it, and that's a weird one too, that both the Chargers game and the Arizona game, it's not weird because they're both on the West Coast, but they're both in that late set of games. Would you imagine those are the two games that everyone goes and attacks?
1: So there's a really good opportunity, and I already noticed this in week one, where uh, some of the best games for DFS, at least on paper, are late, and you can start your lineups with really contrarian stuff, and if your contrarian stuff hits at 1 p.m., you chalkify your lineup at 4 p.m. and sail to the win. If your contrarian stuff misses uh at 1 p.m you can get really off the board at 4 p.m and so like that sets up really well for these slates where the 4 p.m games are the best games one thing that i would say is that early in the season the lines will not be as sharp in other words the totals on these games early in the season will not be as strong and as solid as they are later in the year there's just not enough data there's so many more unknowns there's way more guesswork going into how these lines are made and so I try not to be a slave to the team totals and game totals early in the year especially week one man like if I have a take like Colts Texans is going to go completely nuclear which I you know I think is at least possible like I'm willing to go with that take more than I am in week nine or something if Colts Texans had a 41 total I'd be like well you know that doesn't seem great but in week one yeah I know it's only a 44 total but um they could be wrong like straight up. And so um, I'd encourage people to think more for themselves early in the year, if that makes sense.
0: That was my take on Philly and Detroit. That's at 46 and a half right now. That feels like it could be 3530
1: to me. Yep. Love it. Love it.
0: And then, sure. I can, then I can just play Hertz. How do you stack Hertz? Like, what do you do with those guys? Like, I obviously, Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts, easy stack. But it does feel like, I, I don't know, like, how the correlation actually ends up proving itself over the long term because it feels like we've shifted our notions. Like, everyone's so much sharper now than they used to be that when we would do this show in 2017, it's like, yeah, play Matt Ryan and Julio Jones together. Can't lose. And yeah. you couldn't <laughs> lose. It was great. Now, everyone's doing it. So they need to add more people. But when you have these running quarterbacks, like, if Hurts is truly going to hit, his optimal upside and maybe this is a better question for a large field tournament like the millionaire mm-hmm. maker like you said that maybe you don't double stack him because you still need that other you can't afford to get away with A.J. Brown having 10 points and Devonta Smith having 15 you kind of need right. one of them to score 30 with Hertz and the other guy not to do anything if you're going to try to win right. like a millionaire maker type lineup
1: well I mean not only can you not have this situation you described you can't have A.J. Brown score 30 and Devontae Smith score seven either like that. You're not going to win the million maker with that either. You need to hit in every single spot in your lineup. And and yeah, the Russian quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts, like Fields, like Trey Lance, the guys like not Josh Allen, who obviously can throw, not Kyler, who obviously can throw like more like the Lamar types, Hurts, Lance, single stacks, I think are for sure the most plus EV. So I, I would pick your favorite pass catcher out of the Eagles and single stack there. And then I would try to get a lion in there because, you know, the only way Hertz hurts is going to even throw the ball 30 times against the lions is if they're uh, forced into it. You know, I don't think the Eagles want to throw the ball with hurts that much. So yeah, I, I think single stacks for that, um, for that kind of setup makes a ton of sense. And also when you use less, li- less players in your stack, let's say you only have a single stack and one bring back, On the Lions, you have more spots in your lineup to do mini stacks. And so there's a lot of stuff that you can do. You know, let's say you like the, um, I don't know, the Jaguars-Commanders game. You could do a mini stack with, like, Etienne and McLaurin and hope that they push each other also. And there's more room in your lineup when you only have a single stack. So, yeah, I think single stacking hurts in that spot would be uh, what I would do.
0: I'm I'm still trying to wrap my mind around how to deploy Debo in these situations. Like, what do you think that his role looks like? Let's say he's on the team. They can work out an extension, or they just say, screw it, you're playing. Like You don't want to waste your like service time. You want to become a free agent. You better get on the fucking field, and you're going to play. How do they utilize him this year? And what's actually better for fantasy? Because I feel like, yeah, he scored all those touchdowns running the ball. That was great for fantasy. But there was just weeks where he wasn't used in the passing game, which could lead to like zero point games if he doesn't score the touchdown.
1: I mean... I take zero Debo. I have zero Debo in best ball, season long, whatever. I'm just completely out on Debo. I think if you look at what he did last year from an underlying metric perspective, it's so outrageous. I mean, he basically had a pathetically low uh, average depth of target. In other words, all his passes were close to the line of scrimmage. And he still was among the league leaders in yards per catch. Like, it's so insane. He basically was just like catching the ball short and going long and, and taking it long every time. I don't think that's that sustainable. He's an amazing player after the catch. I don't think that's sustainable. I also think Trey Lance will be way more vertical than Jimmy Garoppolo was, and I think that's better for Brandon Ayuk than it is. Debo Samuel, I I think him not playing running back is better for us in fantasy. I mean, a target is worth roughly three times as much as a carry in fantasy. So, yeah, I I don't know, man. Like, add it all up. It's just, I didn't play Debo enough last year. He obviously shoved it down my throat uh, many, many times. But these guys who are so outlier on their efficiency... Um, are prone to burning me. And so I'm fine with betting against Debo, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: Trying to look points per dollar if we start off with stacks and quarterbacks. The, what I'm seeing right now, and again, these projections are early. They're going to change once news gets updated. This is all at runthesims.com slash Mayo. Points per dollar at quarterback right now. It's all the low 5,000 guys, obviously, as it's always going to. you We got like Daniel Jones, 5,000. Marcus Mariota, 5,200. Trubisky, 5,000 if he wins the job, which it looks like he should. Zach Wilson's 5,100 bucks. Fields and Lawrence are 56. Derek Carr is 59. He has no run potential but that could be a shootout even against an improved Chargers defense uh, they can go back and forth down the field if points are going up do you have a preference of one of those guys that makes it easy to stack with because it just feels like it's Daniel Jones especially with what you said now that the Giants offense is a looking a little bit more predictable in a way especially in the slot and with Kadarius Tony.
1: I had Daniel Jones, the guy who sticks out for me in that cheap punt quarterback range. I mean, they, the way they priced him is like insulting to Brian Dable and all the skill on this offense. I mean, you know, they added two really good offensive linemen in the last two years. Um, I think Darius Tony is explosive and good. I still think Kenny Galladay can play. And when Dale, you know, I, he's small and I typically don't love these small guys. We've seen Dable do it before with McKenzie and with. Cole Beasley and so you also have Saquon who's really good uh, catching the football also and so yeah you know Daniel Jones for 5k to me is was the most underpriced the other guy that was cheap and he's 6k but he's 6k flat was was Trey Lance kind of stuck out to me as a guy who um, can and likely will run the ball 10 12 times in a game and that's obviously incredibly valuable at 6k if you go
0: Jones Tony Robinson to start your lineups you have (laughs) $6,300 left Per player. I assume that the bring back is just Henry. That makes the most sense.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or I think Chalen Burks has flown under the radar. Henry is, is um, tough in stacks because he doesn't, his, <laughs> he, it just, it eats up so much when he plays well, it eats up so much clock. Like he gets the ball in first down. He gets the ball on second down. That takes like literally a minute off the clock for him to do two runs. Whereas if you're throwing, you know, drives me faster and more points are scored so in my uh titan stacks i typically like to include aj brown in the past um uh, you know I, I think Traylon burks has gotten to a point in season long where everybody's out on Traylon burks and i think that's a mistake i think his upside really outpaces where he goes right now in drafts like people way overreacted to the asthma and all that other nonsense so yeah i, I think Traylon would be my preferred bring back there um but yeah obviously Big dog. If he breaks one of those 80-yard runs, like, it's it's just all bets are off.
0: I assume that everyone's going to go to Daniel Jones. Like, no matter what projection system that you're going to use, it's going to tell you that his price is wrong and that you should be doing your lineups with him. And is there anyone else down here that you think might be, like, a decent pivot stack too? Like, I don't know what to make of Atlanta whatsoever, whether Mariota is good or bad, probably bad, but it does seem like they have two options to throw to, that at least the stack with them is easy to figure out, that mm-hmm. – and it just no one's going to use Atlanta. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm trying to wait. And this is what I'm trying to get better at this year for DraftKings and I'll have more people on continue to prod them with questions about it is like how bad of a decision do you really think it is if you have Daniel Jones let's say he's 15% owned and the the stack goes along with that not necessarily all 15% but some version of the Giants Titans game and then you get to the Saints Falcons game which isn't like super High points. It's 41 and a half. They're probably, I mean, the Saints should be good on defense. You know that they're likely going to want to run the ball, limit mistakes. That's how they're going to beat Atlanta pretty easily. But you have Mariota, who's probably like 1% owned. And the, well, Pitts will have his ownership. That's fine. London will have his ownership. But putting them all together is likely going to be like 15 times lower than it's going to be for Daniel Jones. When does that become the right decision?
1: Yeah. I think in the larger field, the larger the field gets, the better the decision. Becomes, I think, 41 and a half in today's NFL. And I know I said that if you have a take, you can ignore it. <laughs> 41 and a half is like, man, in today's NFL, that is so, 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 so low. I think what Mariota gives you compared to some of these other guys in 5K is a rushing upside. And I really think that you do need that when you're competing against guys like Lamar and Kyler and Hertz and Lance and Herbert and Mahomes. Like, How often can a pure pocket passer outscore those guys? They literally need to throw for like 350 yards and four touchdowns because one of those guys that I mentioned, one of those rushers is going to have a big rushing game and a big throwing game, and it's going to be really hard to beat that. I think what you're getting at is how does your upside interact with your ownership? And, you know, you can think about that really cleanly in your head. Obviously, there's mathematical ways to do it. But what do you win when you win? Well, if you play Daniel Jones and you're right in a tournament, you don't win anything because like Pat said, 15% in the field might have him. If you have Mariota and you're right, you really do have a chance to win um, and win big. And so that's the whole idea of playing guys at low ownership. I know, um, you know, it's a, it's a hard thing for a lot of people to get their head around. I'll take a worse player at lower ownership, but yeah, for sure. In tournaments, I mean, it's, it's an absolute no brainer. And I like what you said about Atlanta. And clean stacking because it's so valuable to know where the ball is going to go. If Mariota goes off, we know where it's going. Kyle Pitts and Drake London are both very, very good players. They have like total dust beyond that. And they should be losing
0: a lot of the time. But, you know, you never know with some of these coaches. They may be like, you know what we need to do? Run more. And that way we can make the game closer, although we're losing by 37 points. Let's not throw. That'd be too much. It's the Pete Carroll strategy, essentially. But we haven't had some of these like very linear target trees it feels like in a really long time like i just i so vividly remember Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree. That one was amazing. Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas was another one for ages. Just like, I know where the ball is going if it's being thrown 60% of the time. Do you have any one, like, you mentioned the Texans earlier with Collins and Cooks. Like, Cooks is probably going to get around like a 30% share. If you can figure out the other guy, like Davis Mills doesn't become like a half. I mean, he's not an attractive option. That neck is very long. That's never going to change. And I don't think there's a surgery for that. But... (laughs) If it's Brevin Jordan and Brandon Cooks. Like that could pay real dividends if you can find these concentrated trees. Maybe Minnesota is the place.
1: Yeah. Minnesota's been that way for a few years, I think, where like when Kirk Cousins went off, and Kirk Cousins has some huge games. When he goes off, you knew where it was going. It was Diggs and Thielen, and that was Jefferson and Thielen. You know, they don't throw that much to the tight end position. I, I think um Carolina is gonna be tight this year. Uh, with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and CMC, but mostly DJ Moore and CMC, I think. And, you know, I, the Bengals have three guys. But one of the reasons we were so on the Bengals last year is because they had such a low throw rate at running back and such a low throw rate at tight end. And yeah, they have three really good wide receivers, but they don't rotate them. They all play uh, exclusively. And so, you know, spots like that, I would encourage people to look at uh, for sure where it's all going to the wide receivers. We know which wide receivers there are going to be on the field exclusively and so yeah uh, it's hugely valuable for sure
0: going to running back taking a look at McCaffrey I'm just trying to look, find the points per dollar so you have Jonathan Taylor at 9100 bucks you have Christian McCaffrey at 85 if you I'm thinking about just like how I'm going to construct a lot of these lineups and he's the third most expensive running back and presumably he should be if there's any week that he's going to be healthy it's going to be week one against Cleveland that if he remains healthy all 18 weeks of the season let's just throw that hypothetical out here Is this the lowest price we're going to get them at all year?
1: Of course. And Trafficking does this on purpose. And we probably should have said this from the top. You know, when you're trying to attract people to play on your platform and casual people that they're advertising to on national television, it is not appetizing to them to have to try to figure out which 3K number four wide receiver I can play so I can fit some stars in my lineup. People want to come in. They want to play stars, you know? And so week one is always one of the highest scoring weeks for two reasons. Number one, DraftKings makes the pricing very, very soft, just in a vacuum. And number two, a whole lot's going to happen between now and week one. They're going to open up even more values than there already are. And so it's going to be really high scoring. You know, I think guys don't have to be cheap to be the best values on a slate. Christian McCaffrey is one of the best values on a slate at 8,500. I think Jonathan Taylor is one of the better values on the slate at 9,100. Yes, they are expensive. Some of the most expensive players on the slate, probably the two most expensive players on the slate. But that doesn't mean that they're not underpriced. Also, if you follow what I'm saying,
0: well, if you jump, dump both them in with the Daniel Jones stack, you still have five thousand dollars for your final four spots, and one of those is going to be a defense. So just you can up that just yeah. a little bit. We're we're getting there. We're
1: getting That's what there I'm now. saying. So you're you're going to feel great about your lineup as, as well. Everyone. So easy to make <laughs> as will everyone because everyone's going to have like a total stars lineup exactly.
0: So I don't know how many people go Taylor and McCaffrey just because people get like really freaked out about, oh my God, I have to play this like $4,000 tight end. It's like, yeah, you should probably be playing like a mid-30s, low-30s tight end realistically unless someone is such a tremendous value. But I'm even showing right now like McCaffrey as one of the better value, like a top five value per point on the slate. And Taylor's not far behind, but he is behind. And Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry feels like such an outlier to projections that, you just kind of have to have whatever your take is on Derrick Henry and you either just play him all the time or you never play him because I ver- yeah. I very much doubt the projections are going to tell you ever to play Derrick Henry.
1: It's hard, you know, when guys don't have a pass game role and, you know, you don't know if your, their team is going to be winning. I mean, I'm not sure what the line is on that, on that Giants-Titans game. I can check it here. Yeah, Titans are six and a half, but it would not surprise me at all if the Giants got a lead in that game and then you're in big trouble with Derrick Henry. I actually did – I had – Really been not playing a lot of Derrick Henry and DFS, uh, you know, 2016, 17, 18. The last couple of years, I did start playing a lot more Derrick Henry under situations where A, I thought they were really likely to have a lead and B, just accepting that some dudes are outliers. So like, it's hard to regress Derrick Henry to NFL averages because he just can't be regressed. He's like the most outrageous outlier ever. And so it's fine. I think this year the team is worse by a pretty substantial margin. He's also had the foot issue, which I know he came back from, but he still came off the foot issue. And so, yeah, I think there's a little bit more risk this year in Derrick Henry than normal. But, you know, would it surprise me if he got literally 30 carries in this game against the Giants? You know, absolutely not.
0: Yeah, looking at the price per points in this, like, the mid-sevens, the highest you know, values per se. We'll see how it works out. I mean, I'm looking at Travis Etienne right now. He projects out the best per point for us, but his bust rate is still like 33% on that to score fewer than seven points in this game. Although his boom rate is, you know, 27% of scoring way more than what uh, his, like 80th percentile projection is going to be. So it's him, DeAndre Swift is 68, David Montgomery is 6,000, Brees Hall is 55. It does seem like that's going to kind of be the consensus of where the value plays are going to be until, like you said, there's going to be an injury and all of a sudden Pierce is like, oh yeah, Pierce is the guy. The coach comes out and says he's going to get 25 carries a game. It's like, oh, okay. Well, now he's like a free square. How do you handle the free squares when these injuries (laughs) open up? Like the quote-unquote free squares, because it really feels like if it's at running back, just fucking play the guys and figure it out somewhere else.
1: I, I think that's an important take. There's no such thing as a free square anywhere except for at running back. You know, free square, wide receiver. You have to be talented at wide receiver to produce In the NFL, like just because a star goes down and some guy is going to play all the snaps now does not mean that he will produce. I think I have running back. All these guys are close to the same level of talent where they can all produce at the NFL level. It's so much more scheme based, offensive line based, game script based. And so the running backs that are very, very owned, I am fine eating the chalk on in smaller field stuff to to a certain extent. You know, once guys get to 50, 60, 70 percent, I think. Um, you can get away from that. But yeah, you know, running backs who are thirty or forty percent and are grossly underpriced, like I'm playing that for sure.
0: Yeah, Pierce is forty eight hundred. So they probably wouldn't even fall into that expectation anyway, because he's quite I mean, if it was very clearly the guy and he was only forty eight hundred bucks, obviously you're gonna play him, but that's not gonna be the case in week one. They have like five other guys.
1: (laughs) Right. And also DraftKings raised the running back floor last year to four K minimum and they've gone out of their way to price back up running backs through the whole year. Um, higher, so that you don't get into a spot like we had in 2015-2016 where running back would go down and you'd have like a literal like 3,400 starting running back and just like ruin the whole slate. And so they've they've certainly done better with that lately.
0: Between these four guys, Etienne, or Etienne, as I like to say, because it is a francais name, DeAndre Swift, Montgomery Brice Hall. Obviously, people like DeAndre Swift the best. That's why he's being drafted in season-long and best ball way higher. But... I just have. I think he's a better DraftKings player than maybe. And maybe he's a good best ball player as well. I don't know if I'd want to own DeAndre Swift in season long. It just feels like Dan Campbell is ripe with fuckery, and he will start using guys <laughs> I've never heard of for no reason.
1: I think they have concerns about putting too much on DeAndre Swift's plate. I think that's very fair, but the counter to me on that would be. Austin Eckler is not a full-time player either, and he's one of the best fantasy players. Alvin Kamara for many years was not a complete full-time player either, and he's one of the best players uh, in fantasy. These, These running backs who have such a strong pass game role, and DeAndre Swift is incredible, incredible in the pass game, and then some share of the base role, and hopefully that base role includes goal line work. I don't care if they don't get the carries. On first and 10 from their own 30 that is an absolutely worthless touch that honestly i'd rather them not get and so to me deandre swift in the past game and around the goal line is where he will or at least around the red zone is where he will and should be used and he's the archetype of the running back i want i don't want running backs who get the first and 10 carry from the 30 like i just think that's like so worthless and so 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 overrated and that's where all the dead zone stuff comes in and so yeah i'm on DeAndre Swift, he's very, very expensive now, to your point. You know, like very, very, very expensive. There's not a lot of margin for error in season long on DeAndre Swift, but I do like him a lot. And I think he's grossly 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 underpriced on DraftKings for week one
0: well just looking at it on DraftKings in week one he's going to be very popular because you're going to have these different tiers of options it's like well I don't want to pay up for Taylor and Christian McCaffrey I save so much money if I just go Caffrey McCaffrey and DeAndre Swift and it feels like a lot of ownership is going to point directly to there the role that you Mm -hmm. talked about receiving game potential goal line work, the ability to be a good pass catcher. It feels like it's more inconsistent, but realistically, like when you look at their game logs and see what they produce, it's really not like Aaron Jones does a lot of the exact same things and no one's going to play Aaron Jones.
1: I I like Aaron. I have Aaron Jones on my list for week one, right next to Deandre. So I think Aaron Jones is, is, is an awesome play. Also. Yeah. You get more volatility when you get your points through the pass game late when you're not getting 20, 25 carries a game but man i mean if i'm trying to win tournaments if i'm trying to win best ball if i'm trying to like really build uh monster weeks these pass catching running backs are where you get the huge weeks from
0: so taking a look at wide receiver just very quickly oh good god man i gotta i gotta talk to justin about the the best points yeah guess who the best points per dollar receiver is if you want to just take there is kadarius tony he's second that actually tracks to me now there's someone who's number one he might see seven he- 17 targets in this game and he might have minus four yards.
1: Juju Smith-Schuster. It's Rondell Moore. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Nah, he wasn't. Rondell wasn't even on my list. I, I think. I think Rondell should have a bigger role this year, but I don't trust this fake sharp idiot Cliff Kingsbury at all to do the right thing with Rondell Moore. So I think we're gonna have so much money to use in Week One that like taking risks on guys who have questionable roles is is not gonna end out being worth it. Um In week one on DK.
0: I would feel better off taking a running back in a questionable role and being rewarded for being right about that like if people think that there's a timeshare with Brees Hall for example and I mean there probably isn't at least all reports but you start getting reports three weeks from now it's like Michael Carter really making a charge here and is going to be the first and second down back and Hall is going to be eased in like I would still kind of take the risk that well maybe he's just the three down back that makes more logical sense to me than a guy who yeah he can pay off value at four thousand dollars but unless he catches a big it was like the Andy Isabella stuff all those years like what was he really going to do for you
1: exactly yeah and you know I think Rondell Moore is an explosive player I actually think his best position is running back but I don't think they're going to use him there because Cliff just like can't do it and it's so horizontal I mean Rondell Moore's average depth of target last year was like the worst in NFL history I mean all they threw it to him was behind the line of scrimmage and he would like struggle to get four or five yards on the bubble screen it's just uh cliff is like my least favorite coach if it wasn't for kyler cliff would be cliff would be out of the league kyler's just so good he's saving him
0: in order to like kind of like talk about the difference between these two guys you have rondell maury's four thousand bucks obviously it's not the same price but we mentioned drake london he's five thousand bucks i know he's going to play unless he's hurt and who's to who do they even fucking have on their team at this point at receiver besides besides well, i think you'll
1: you'll besides you'll him. see some olamati olamati zakius.
0: Oh, yeah, rock me, Dr. Zacchaeus. That's the guy. <laughs> but, like, he's supposed to be really good. I mean, I have no idea how to evaluate talent at an NFL level. He was drafted highly. People say he's very good. I'll believe the people who actually do the research on this stuff. So if he's out there in a game where there are, like, seven-point dogs, I don't feel like that role is confusing to me, as your point to Rondell Moore. is like, who fucking knows? Like, he might get 17 targets, and that still might even be enough for him based on how they use him.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's not getting 17 targets. I mean, it, yeah, and and – to your point on Drake London, guys who have his draft capital, I believe he went eighth overall, like they are productive in today's NFL almost immediately, like all the time. And so, yeah, if you think Mariota can play, and I have my doubts on Mariota, but if you think that he can play, um, Drake London at 5K is, is for sure fine. I prefer Juju or Michael Pittman in that range for a little bit more, but but yeah, I mean, Drake London is certainly fine
0: well, what's going to happen with Michael Pittman? He's 55, he's 5,500 bucks. He's playing the Texans. Everyone loves Michael Pittman. I've started to see the discussions now based on where he's going for like best ball in season. it's like, well, I mean, I can draft Michael Pittman as the number 12 wide receiver overall, but that's probably his floor. Like what, what is anyone just considering that Michael Pittman and let's say Matt Ryan just might not a, not necessarily not have the best connection, but Matt Ryan just might not be any good.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's a point that's valid. Um, I think Michael Pittman is very clearly good at football, and Matt Ryan has shown an ability to target these big wide receivers very successfully, so I I like Pittman. I think that he's going slightly too high in season long, but I still like him if he gets, like, the fourth round or so, which he he rarely does, but I still like him in the fourth round. I'll say that at 5,500 against the Texans, um, I could see Michael Pittman being the most known player on the slate. Like, one hundred percent, it's just it's going to it's just going to fit so many lineup constructions that have jt or cmc it's like oh i can have the number one receiver on a reasonably good colts team in a good match with 5500 like everybody's going to click that
0: leave, leave the graphic up paul cuz i we got an audible gasp from that statement uh from behind the camera from paul so Paul, <laughs> uh, i agree range for like a casual like, like a casual like me you got deandre hopkins at 5400 he, well he's suspended he's, suspended. he's not he's suspended. he's suspended he's not playing oh is he not playing No. But See, like I'm but, casual, I don't know that. Well, I mean, well I mean <laughs> that that could be the he'll have a big O next to his name on draftkings <laughs> by the time week 1 rolls around. But like if let, let's say Michael Pittman is at $5500, and just looking at the other names around him. Let's say he's like 24% owned. Probably a little bit less cuz it will take away. That's a great value for him. Any system will tell you that's a good value for the potential upside and even fuck the floor for Pittman at 5,500 bucks is great but you kind of hit on Ayuk; that's big play like you're not Mm -hmm. 1v1 it's not like hey I think Ayuk's gonna outscore Pittman but he can Bateman most definitely can uh, based Mm -hmm. on how his role could be had in this season then you have like Lazard we don't know really know what he's up to and how his role is gonna be but I mean Aaron Rodgers has his favorites that maybe just peppers him with targets. We don't, uh, Devonta Smith could be the one and not A.J. Brown, unlikely, but there are guys that you could talk yourself into who could outscore Pittman in week one, no problem, who, because Pittman's going to carry this huge, huge ownership tag, are going to be like 3% owned.
1: So, wide receivers at bloated ownership is like one of the easiest fades in large field tournaments, you know, like, wide receiver production is very, very, very volatile, and so, wide receivers who get up over 25, 30% are almost always Uh, easy fades for me in tournaments. And I think some of the guys you mentioned stack really well. Like, I don't know that Trey Lance is going to have a huge game, but if he does, I think that Brandon Ayuk will be a big part of it. I think Lamar Jackson is going to have an awesome game. And if he does, almost certainly Bateman or Andrews will be a big part of it. And so, yeah, you know, I'll play Pittman in cash almost certainly, but in tournaments, I'm sure I won't end up playing Pittman and I'll be looking to stack around that price range for sure
0: and the reason that his ownership will get inflated because no one's going to use matt ryan that he becomes the one-off receiver that's the right price that fits every lineup especially with the soft pricing
1: yeah i I just think that the cash guys like the best plays end up inflated so even though nobody wants to play matt ryan or whatever like the cash team is probably going to involve jt and cmc uh and Pittman or something like something like that and those guys just get naturally inflated in tournaments because a a lot of people just put their cash team in tournaments and b, like you said like all you have to do is is pull up projections and people are just going to click those those guys and so yeah you know um like i talked about at the beginning we know who's going to be inflated and so we'll certainly have some low owned guys at wide receiver who we think are, are much have similar to higher upside than pitman in the same price range
0: you excited to play a 20 percent Ertz at tight end
1: <laughs> he wasn't even on my list well how much is he Forty four hundred.
0: But he's in he's in that game. He's the cheap piece of that game yeah. for Arizona.
1: Yeah. God. You know, I, I haven't uh made my official statement on my cheap tight end for week one yet. Forty four hundred is typically more than I like to pay. Well, is I Irv, think Goddard is, is Irv okay? Goddard is there too.
0: Is is big Irv okay?
1: Irv is gonna be questionable for week one, but guys who break their thumb and are supposed to catch passes like four <laughs> weeks later, that scares me, man. I think Mo Ali, Mo Cox, Johnu, Bates, but there hasn't been a great cheap tight end yet. So I think a lot of people are going to end up in that Ertz Goddard range, and, and certainly Pitts and Andrews and Kelsey will be in play also because people are going to have a lot of money. Yeah, they should. Like Kyle Pitts should be
0: like even at fifty seven hundred dollars, he should be that way. Mark Andrews should be that way. Kelsey should be that way. Like sometimes the premium at tight end works out because there's only like four guys who are actually any good week to week that you buy yourself yeah. some peace of mind if you can afford it but like Irv was the one that I had circled like if he's okay just play him at 3,400 bucks yeah but Brevin Jordan was actually the other one at 31 if he can win that job and I'll just follow you to see who's running the first team reps with the tech guy I'm gonna lose so much fucking money with the Texans I can see it now I'm gonna <laughs> talk myself into it every goddamn week like they're so cheap though I can play McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor but I just stack Texans every week and they'll score three yeah. points and I'll feel like an idiot
1: I think Brevin Jordan has a chance he was reasonable at earning targets last year I think Pharaoh Brown will play probably an annoying amount like where he's in for some blocking stuff and that kind of caps Brevin Jordan a little bit but yeah I'm okay with it man the price the price is certainly right and as I said I haven't made any teams yet I think when you punt that tight end like that and I do it in cash all the time like you're hoping that Andrews and Kelsey and Pitts, and Waller, and Killer, whoever else is on the slate, like, they're capped out at 15 or 16 points, and then you're just printing uh, with the cheap tight ends. It's not like a wide receiver, where if you punt at wide receiver, you know one of these guys at the top is going to go for, like, 30 or 35, and that's so hard to overcome. You can overcome it at tight end, because typically, and it wasn't always the case with Kelsey a couple years ago with Andrews last year, but if you can avoid, like, that big blow-up game from them, punting is almost always right. Um, so, yeah, the tight end spot is is always interesting, On DraftKings, man, I think it changes a lot with cash and tournaments, you know, but, but yeah, it's, it's interesting for sure. And I hope that we get some punt that I feel good about, or maybe Irv gets back soon enough where we can play him. But yeah, I hope we get a punt.
0: Yeah. I feel like people will concede in cash right now. If I just had to guess, Ertz is probably option number one at 44. If they want to save some money, people love Cole Komet. Even though that, I, I think the Bears are going to be the worst team in football. So I don't know how much I want it's possible as a part of that. Now you can find alt-line win total under five and a half plus 150. It's a it's out at all the places right now, just an alt-win total. So I, I jumped on it. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to win like eight games because of fucking special teams or something stupid. But yeah, I feel like I got my money in good. But what do you think the chances that Dan Arnold is actually the tight end in Jacksonville, not Evan Ingram?
1: Um... I think we have that pretty split. I mean, Denard Arnold was fine last year. The reason that the Jacksonville uh, tight end role was valuable last year is because, A, they were on the field for almost every snap, and, B, they, they threw the ball to the tight end a lot. I think we'll see some time share there. And so I actually didn't have Ingram or Arnold on my list. I think we'll see both of them play.
0: Not sure how it's really going to work out with Doug Peterson, but I would imagine that we're going to see a lot of two tight end sets, like based on the personnel that they currently have and maybe what he has historically done and maybe even just try to hold up for a little bit. I know they upgraded the offensive line in Jacksonville, but just even give Lawrence that extra out of, hey, if the line can't hold it today, we have two big guys out here that can potentially protect you for a second.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I'm most excited about uh, Travis Etienne, obviously, on the Jaguars. And then I also think Christian Kirk is going underdrafted in season long beyond that, man. I, I think I have to see it first. You know, I, I, I think I have to see it first on Jacksonville beyond those two guys.
0: All right, they'll do it. Pat Mayo experience. Join run the sims.com slash Mayo. Get your discount ETR five at established the run.com. What's your guys' pod schedule right now for ETR stuff?
1: Yeah, we're doing at least four free pods a week right now. I, I think, you know, like I said at the top, anyone who uh, is on the fence about joining or whatever the pods are totally free and and you get to see and listen to what we're about and i think our pod is really good i'm obviously biased but um yeah we'll be out with like four or so episodes a week talking all kinds of important things for season long and then we'll get into some dfs stuff as we get closer to week one
0: all right adam leventan follow him on twitter at adam leventan establish the run.com obviously you know that already but hey if you don't now you know you can follow me at the pme sub to the newsletter down in the description smash the like on the way out That'll do it for me. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time.